Welcome to another great story with your host, Nick Sandino, brought to you by The Village Christian Church. Do you know any great stories? We sure do. And we can never find enough time on a Sunday morning to tell them all. Here at Another Great Story, we tell the truth about where life change, life growth, and life purpose meets our everyday life with the hope that you might experience God in your story. Welcome back to another great story. Joining us today is Mike Strunga, our campus pastor for the Cole City uh, campus of the Village Christian Church, answering some questions in our series, Losing My Religion. Uh, Sit back and relax and enjoy another great story. Well, Mike, welcome back to another great story. It's been a little bit. You, the last time you were on, it was like, uh, meet the new pastor. We're going to have a church yeah. starting. Yeah, it's it's good to be back. And now you got a church. That's right. And it's been going great. Yeah. How many weeks in are you? Uh, seven, give or take a week. I feel like that's gone quick. Yeah. You know, it feels like I, as long as it was to get it going, now it feels like it's moving and moving fast. It does. Yeah, it almost feels like we've been around like a full year. It's just kind of weird. Yeah, there's lots of neat things that are happening over there too. You got student ministry that is up and active. You've got life groups that are meeting that are up and active. You guys have a active and functioning church. Oh yeah. That feels like a cohesive neat thing. For sure. Yeah, it's so cool the way that the campuses work together too. Just to have teachers and worship leaders and just everyone interchangeable and it's just it's awesome. This is your first uh, go around with like uh team kind of yeah mindset for sure is it uh, how different is that uh i love it I, it gives people more of a more of an ability to you know do do their study and like get their lesson together get their thoughts and it gives me some opportunity if weeks i'm not teaching to take care of other things that might otherwise fall by the wayside so it's it's great if you wanted to make a pitch to somebody listening in the coal city area yeah, come check out our church. Like we're we're a church for everybody. Um, we we want you to know Jesus. Like whether you've been a longtime church person, we have some of those in our church. We have some who are brand new, uh, who are, are kind of unfamiliar with how it works. Like come check it out. Uh, we want to meet you where you're at and help you know Jesus. Man, I love that. I think it's something so neat uh, to see the church go to people's communities, and I that's something we stumbled into. Um, not stumbled into, but man, it's been special. Like to see Seneca people have a Seneca home. To see Cole City, Wilmington, Braidwood people have have a have a home over there, and you know, it's just a good thing to get to be a part of. It's been fun. Did you? Yeah. What's it, it looked like to you? It feels great. I think that um, you know we God just kind of lined that up and put it on people's hearts, saying, "Hey, we're driving half an hour, so it's hard for us to invite our friends. It's hard for us to get people connected, particularly kids, student ministry, things like that." So. You know, we just kind of like, well, wait a minute. What if we came to your backyard? Would would that work? And everybody, you know, was like, not only we'll we'll do anything. I remember asking a group of people one time. I'm like, if if we if we figured all this out, it's going to take some effort and some cost. But like, if we figured it out, like, do you think you would invite a friend or so? And I remember several people. I'll invite my entire, you know, block or my cul-de-sac. And it was in it was like done. It's a we're doing it. There's I think no, it's. I think it's on the heels of what we've been talking about, too. So we've been in this series as a church. This was our fourth week, fifth week of it. Mm-hmm. Um, fourth. fourth week of it called Losing My Religion. It's a five-week series. Yep. Um, 
And in next week's worship, we've talked about a whole idea. Go back and listen to the shows uh, or the messages. They've been fantastic, I think. They've answered some hard questions. The idea is that you would lose the practice of going through the motions on your faith, that you would go instead to the heart of why we do the things we do. Why do we read our Bible? Why do we pray? And what's, what's relational prayer look like? And all of this in an attempt to have an intimate relationship, like a closeness with God. And so the whole idea of having closeness with God and a closeness in proximity to your church and to a body of people that you can invite, it all makes sense. And this last week, what we've been talking about uh, was the conversation of communion. Now, communion is just one of those things everybody is relatively familiar with. Um, and I know like some of my upbringing with it in the, in the Christian church. And then I remember the first mass I attended for a wedding and finding out I couldn't take communion, you know, and that's, there's just some shifts around communion that we wanted to clear the air on. And like we always do, how do we do that? We looked at the scripture and we just wanted to see it apply to our life. What it got me thinking about is, is what do we do in remembrance of anything? You know, like what do you do as a reminder that keeps around? In our house, we've got a we've got a wall full of uh, old pictures that of people that some of us haven't even met. You know, like I never met Lauren's grandma, but we have a picture of her and her great aunt when they're like you know twenty year old ladies. Um, you know, on a on a day at the beach, like they're it's a fun memorial that we keep like on a wall. I've got a picture of my grandpa when he was a kid with all of his brothers. There's like seven of them in the picture and they're all in work clothes farming and like it's a cool reminder to me. But here's what's interesting. If I don't ask my mom and dad and put notes on the back, I'm going to forget who those people are. My girls won't know who anybody in those pictures are. Like you're just a generation away from losing something. I think it was obviously God with tremendous foresight who gives us communion to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. You know, you had shared earlier, Nate, like a your upbringing and when, when communion really became meaningful to you. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in a Christian church and um, we, I just remember as a, as a kid, we always, it was small. It was a small country church, um, 150 or so people. And so everybody knew everybody. The town was only a hundred people. So it was just, just very close knit, so on. And we would have a service on Thursday night, which was the night that Jesus instituted communion, you know, Passover, all that, um, and uh, the leaders, we would just have this this service. It wasn't, I don't remember it being very much songs. It was just, we'd get up and we'd talk about communion. And our different elders, our different leaders in the church would would share from their heart, like what it meant to them and, and how important it was and how God had changed their life. And I remember watching like grown men weep, like just cry as they were reading scripture about communion and thinking, my goodness, this is so special. And then ladies would get up and they would share what a difference, you know, God's made in their life. And um, it was a wild, it was just really neat. And then then we would take communion. So for the listener that might be new joining us, run them through that timeline, you know, of like... Oh, sure. Yeah. So Thursday night was the Passover and would highly recommend going back and watching uh, this particular message. My wife, Rochelle, I'm obviously biased, but I thought it was a spectacular message. Oh, it was excellent. I, I taught in Cole City. And I listened to it on the way back. Just I put it on YouTube in the car, and I felt bad for the people in Cole City because I just did such a poor job in comparison to what you did fine. Well, thank you, but it was <laughs> it was not anywhere close. So she did a good job explaining that Passover, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, the last plague, they they blood of the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, put it on the doorpost, and that would be a covering for you. That would protect you. Um, 
from that last plague, and, and it did. And then they celebrated that for almost 1,500 years. Yeah, and that blood would spare their firstborn. Yep, yep. Which yeah. is so symbolic, you know. Yeah, and then Jesus, the firstborn of God, the, the perfect Lamb of God, John chapter 1, verse 29, it was, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, they celebrated that on Passover night. Jesus is actually cooking the meal and doing this with all of his disciples, and he's like, um, it's changing. There's This is a new covenant now in my blood. So this is my body. This is my blood. So he was changing it and saying, you're no longer going to celebrate this celebration. I'm becoming your Passover land. I'm going to cover so you. So 1,500 years of some ballpark, 1,500 years yeah. of tradition. Yeah. You guys have been practicing this meal this way. I want you to do it different from here on out. Pretty much, yeah. And I, I, this was something they'd already celebrated Passover with Jesus probably two other times. Oh, yeah, So for it's not sure. their first time they'd sat down with them yeah. and celebrated the Passover. Yeah, for sure. And I, we were talking about this um, Sunday, Rochelle and I, and I don't know if the disciples really understood the magnitude of this moment. Oh, you I, know, they, just like we don't. We don't I, yeah, I don't think we could really. I mean, they were there with right. Jesus, and I think they were just, nobody got the full meaning of it. And I feel like that's kind of the point of my stories. When I was a kid, I started to get an idea that this was really important. And then as I've grown older, I've just become more and more appreciative. Again, just a quote from Michelle in her message, she talked about a leader that she grew up with that every time this gentleman would take communion, he would cry. Like it was just so moving to him that he just, he couldn't help but just be overcome with emotion about this is what God's done for me. And Mm. I just... I'm so thankful for it. And so it's special. I think that's, I remember as a little kid thinking, this is special. There's something special about this. And um, that's been the feedback we've gotten overwhelming from people who heard in different campuses is it was a reminder of the intimacy. It was a reminder of how special of a moment this was. Mm -hmm. And it brought something back um, that just was, uh, there's no other word special. Like it was just special to them again. You know, it kind of relit that flame or that looking forward to yeah, and that moment. I didn't do a good job of talking about this. And I, you know, we at the Passover meal that Jesus instituted, he was with his friends over a long period of time. They were literally reclining at a table. So there, there was like a table, and they would kind of lay down with like almost like pillows that they would kind of prop themselves up on like an elbow, and they just sit and talk. And I don't know about you, Mike or, or Nick, but like, We've had times of like good friends of ours. We've gone out to dinner and it's been a two or three hour kind of a thing. We've actually had people, you know, say it's time to go. Like, it, you, you know, we've closed out and we're like, we're, we're still talking. Like we're, we're still enjoying this community and it's just really precious to us. And you can't put a price tag. And those meals have been, you know, pretty, you know, less uh, costly restaurants because I am cheap. Um, but, <laughs> but they've also been at nicer places too, where you just, it's just two or three hours go by pretty quick. Um, because you're just in community. You're just sharing from your heart, you're laughing and sometimes you're crying and sometimes you're just, you're just there with one another. Yeah. And, we, I think about like everybody immediately relates to that feeling of a closeness uh, to sit with somebody and just, you don't want the night to end. Yeah. I think about sure. like the end of a wedding reception. I think about the end of a, yeah. you know, like you're there with friends and you're celebrating and, and I like, it's just some of the best memories. Like that you just don't want the night to end. You don't care how tired you're going to be the next morning because right. of that moment. I wonder 
if you could really start to understand, like our heart would be that you would feel that kind of closeness with God. Yeah. That like God doesn't want to be far from you. And in a reminder of how close he wants to be with you and what he, what great lengths he went to to make that possible, we remind ourselves every week with communion. And if you had that kind of heart in communion, it would change your perspective when you came into that moment. Like, oh man, I share this thing. Sarah O'Sullivan brought out the point, like, look at the people who you're taking it with because you share this in common. So whatever you don't share in common, we share this in common. Mm. And that was a neat thing to me. Mike, you had some really neat thoughts on communion as you worked through it this week. Yeah. Um, one thing that you just said, I want to, I want to piggyback off of, I don't know that we talked about this uh, over the weekend, but when you look at like, I'm, I've been reading through the the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And so I'm almost done, started that in January. And one interesting thing you see when they talk about their tithes is they're not just like burning the animals to just let them burn and run away. Like God said, God says, bring this tithe to me and I want to eat with you. So this is like all throughout the old Testament, like God longs to be with us over food and which is, Awesome, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just, you know, you see that, um, I think at its pinnacle in, in the Passover, and then we, we get that into our church with communion, and man, like Nate said, just such a special moment uh, that we can't, can't underscore. Like, we have to be leading to that. Like, this is what Christ did for us. It's just so good. We could save so much money in a budget if we stopped providing food at different things. Rooted celebration, um, different group activities that we do here. Student ministry has a big food budget. Like we want students to eat together. And what we advise leaders to do is make a rounds to every table. Students group up with friends, you know, four or five kids. And I like, I'll go sit two, three minutes at every table and just catch up with a handful of students. And it's fun to watch the other adults do that. That is not by accident that God designed us that way. Nick, can I add a scripture here as we were talking? Revelations 3.20 says, Here I am, this is Jesus' words, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat, eat with, with him, him and he with me. So this is, you know, communion's like this, God standing at the door knocking on our heart, and then it's like, are we going to let him in? And that needs to be more than just a Sunday morning experience. Yeah, Communion's not just a two-minute, three-minute deal. It's an ongoing, you know, obviously we, we take the bread and the juice to remember it. We make sure that's a part of our service. We try to really guard that very closely in the service plan. Mm-hmm. Plenty of time for people to process. But it's not just for Sunday. It's he's constantly knocking on the door of our heart. And um, are we going to let him in? Are we going to let him come in and eat with us? You know, yeah. that, are we going to have community together? Are we going to like sit down and really talk, you know, and really think and really listen. Yeah. I think, I don't know if this is the right time. Do we want to jump into questions? Yeah. No? Yeah, let's do it. So let's do that. One of the questions we had in uh, come in, and I want to, I think it's a a reflection of a broader question that a lot of us have is, when do you let your kids, or when do you know the right time is to take communion? A lot of uh, faith traditions have some instituted policy on that. We really don't. And so that's where some of the vagueness comes in that, that people might be wondering, like, when should I, you know, I've got two girls that are taking communion, two that aren't yet, you know, like, um, Mike, I don't know if your girls are there yet. They ask almost every week and we have to keep saying no. Cause like, they're not re- like they, they know God and we're teaching them to, to know Jesus and love him, but they're not in, in our opinion, they're not there yet to be like, yeah. I fully grasp what what happened. Yeah. And it's not a checklist, right? Like you're not waiting for your girls to jump through a a set of hoops. Right. 
you know, but at the same time, like there's this awareness. Like I remember when it just broke my two girls' hearts and one of them was like wrecked and wanted to process all of it out loud. And the other one wanted to hide and not talk. Like, I don't even want to talk about it. Like it makes sense. And I don't, it, it's so bothersome. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, like you get it. And we can't wait to celebrate that with you. And like, there's, there is a, a, a somberness to it and a great seriousness. We're cautioned about it in first Corinthians. First Corinthians 11. We, we taught on that on Sunday. It's interesting. I, I don't see anywhere in the scripture where it gives a specific age. Right. If, yeah. if somebody can find that, please let us know. Nate at the village, Christian church.com. I'd be happy to yeah. look at that. Um, what we do see is different people going. So I was in Cole city and I just asked, I had the opportunity and I said, what age did you first, you know, start taking communion? And um, it was almost like uh, the Catholics were, I think it's second grade. There was a lot, like that's when you make communion. I could be wrong on that. Please feel free to correct. There were several Lutherans in the room or had a Lutheran background and they said either seventh or eighth grade. The Methodist was a little bit of a it, different. It was the opposite. Lutheran said seventh or eighth, and then Methodist said the opposite of them. Oh, really? Like the two of them together <laughs> said seventh and eighth. What grade. are the two? So okay. they're, they're like they're like right so next to each other. So if it's Lutheran, other. it could be seventh. If it's Methodist, it could be. It's one of those two. Yeah, Catholic yeah. Catholic was second. Yeah. And I don't think we had any clarity beyond that. But what was interesting is when Jesus instituted it, it was with his disciples who were adults. Yeah. And basically, late teen years. Maybe early twenties. I would, yeah, I would say at least twenties, to be honest, and and maybe past that, but because uh, he was in his thirties. So, yeah. um, what's interesting in like First uh, Corinthians eleven twenty seven. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So we know what we don't want to do. We don't want to have people participate and just not understand it. Right. And not really be able to examine the next verse 28. You ought to examine yourself before you eat and and really celebrate that. Yeah. And, and part of that, I think, is just understanding the mag the magnitude of it. Um, so, so I don't know. Whenever I was gr- growing up, we would wait until someone had placed their faith and trust in Christ um, and then you know, kind of repent, confess. Yeah. And went ahead with public baptism, and yep. then they would take communion. That was my upbringing. I don't know if that's the right or wrong thing, but I, we felt like, um, and I kind of still feel like this a little bit. Like you, you really, if you're making that decision on your own, and you're really understanding, right. it, then you're probably, you know, able to really take communion to the serious level that you need to take it at. Yeah, um, which, which is important. In fact, when we were, um, it was kind of a big deal. Like you would, you would get. A baptized, you'd go through the faith, repent, confess, baptism, and then after your baptism, you'd receive communion. Yeah, like right there. You were saying something right. about that too, weren't you, Mike? Yeah, and like the the, the church uh, I just came from, we we did it a few different ways. Sometimes it was like a special thing at the end of service, if if the baptism was at the end of service, and we'd have like an elder come up and you know read through the the usually the text in Matthew where it's Jesus is explaining, "This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you." And, uh, and he would give that to them, and the family would often take it together. So it was a special, like, just special kind of private moment with this their child or grandchild or whoever, um, to, you know, taking communion. And then other times when there was a baptism at the beginning, their first communion was with the rest of the church. So it was kind of neat to see both of those aspects. But the common thread was either way, it's really it's really uh, treated highly and with respect. Yeah, I think that's I think that's one of the, constant reminders we see through scripture is like examine yourself yeah and and really come before the lord in a remembrance posture 
with gratitude for what he's done. One of the things that we've done with our girls is if they're in service with us and it's a, and it's a service where we're, we take communion here at virtually every large group gathering. Yeah. You know, so if it's a Christmas Eve, we still end up taking communion. So on those, you know, family worship days, we've got our kids with, and that's when like what's normally been a quiet, somber moment that you're like the room silent. We'll start whispering to the girls this is why we're taking communion. We're remembering what Jesus did for us. He died on the cross. And not just that, like I never leave the part out that like he's going to have this meal with us someday. Yeah. He's he's not taking communion. He's waiting to have this meal with us one day. And I think that's the just the most exciting piece of it, that there's going to be this banquet someday. When I think about my favorite banquets, I think about, you know, the weddings I've been to recently. I think about Ben and Maddie's wedding. I think about your uh, your son, Caden and Aidy, getting married. And, yeah. you know, you just don't want to go home. And if there's a banquet like that in heaven, I can't wait for it. You know, that Jesus then institutes and says, hey, this is, this is my first time taking this since I took it with you. You know? That's so cool, too. Uh, not, not that I'd want every Sunday to be a family Sunday and have all the, you know, little ones running around. but well, that, It would be easy. Yeah. But that, that we do have those opportunities and that they get to see this really special moment. And that's such a good teaching opportunity. Absolutely. You know, to say that. Yeah. And so if you're a parent and you're, you're like a little anxious about what you understand or what you know, tell them what you do know. I would say don't, you know, and, and be vulnerable with your kids. Like you don't have to be the, the hero that knows everything, but just tell them what you do know. Tell them what you just heard in service. You know, I, one of my favorite things that, that Chuck Richardson ever said, who's attending your campus now, Mike, yeah. Um, but was our lead pastor for a number of years at First Christian. Um, he said when he started off in ministry, he was preaching whatever he had learned that week at, at college. Because mm-hmm. he said it was like, it's all I had. And so then I would go, I would say, parent your kids that way. Whatever you learned, go share with them this week. And let it be a little bit of a pressure on you to, to keep digging, you know, because your kids are desperate to know this stuff. And that's exciting. You know, when you start to see your kids grow in this, if you could get them a jump start compared to what you had, that is just well worth it, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think it's just an incredible thing. You mentioned about the future part of taking communion. You know, yeah. Jesus said in Matthew 26, uh, I want to make sure I got the right scripture, verse 28 uh, and 29, this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you the truth, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine uh, from now on until the day when I come and drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. That's wild to think about. Oh yeah. Like you were just talking about wedding receptions and different things like, okay, if there's like a billion people in hell, I don't know what the number is going to be. Oh yeah. How big's the table? Are we going to be around a table? Mm -hmm. Are we going to like, how are they going to dispense the, the bread and the, and the, will it be wine or will it be grape juice? Like what we use? I don't know. Like how's this going to work? And, and, uh, but it's neat to think that he's made a promise. Like, I've set you up now in your life on earth and I'm also, I've got your eternity secure. So we're going to celebrate that. Like we're going right. to, we're going to celebrate, like it's going to find its fulfillment someday. It's the part I get most excited about when I think about communion, mm-hmm. the anticipation of us all being together. There's no more pain. There's, there's no more. Um, it says there's no more hope and there's no more. What is it? the only thing that remains is love. 
Yeah. Like, because there's no, like you're Nothing in the hope presence. for, you're there. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like hope fulfilled. Yeah. Like, so all that remains is like in the loving presence of God. And then you have this banquet meal that'll be like, unlike any banquet, you know, like we, th- that's such great imagery. Yeah. I'm thinking about like things I look forward to. Like I look forward to a vacation with my wife. I look forward to time with like when we have, so we have two boys and, and, and a daughter-in-law now. So it's like really neat to have them all in the same place at the same time for a meal, for an event, for an extended period of time. It's nice to have, um, you know, when my family comes to, to visit, there's like 20 or so. You know, my brother's got a lot of kids. And so that, that adds up. And it's just great um, to think about being together with, um, you know, my my grandparents who I've never met my dad's mom and dad. Oh yeah. And, and knowing with certainty where they are. Yeah. You know, because of their, yeah. And, and just experiencing that's really, you know, again, back to the the instructions, the clear instructions, probably the clearest of any in the entire new Testament, first Corinthians 11, it says when we take of the, you know, the cup and drink of the bread, when we drink of the cup, (laughs) take of the bread, (laughs) got that wrong. Um, We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Yeah. So there's like this past, present, and future. We look back in the past and see, gosh, this is where we've messed up. We we need your forgiveness. Thank you for your forgiveness. In the present, we're like receiving the body and blood of Christ, right? We're reminded that he's with us. Um, we can get oh, into the yeah. whole like, is it his literal body or is it his little literal blood? If you want. Um, but it's, Well, that it's sets like, us up on our next question, but finish sure. your thought. I like the idea of if you if you wanted to take a step-by-step approach, like a doer mentality. Yeah. Um, Come into communion with that, with the past, past present, present, and future. future. Yeah, past is all of our things that we've struggled with. Um, present is he's here with us right now. I think as we're He's not eating, far off. No. He, is, he wants literally the spirit in you, working in through us. you. Yeah, if yep. we've invited him in, if we've made those steps, believe, repent, confess, baptism, et cetera, then he's in us. And like when we drink of the juice and eat of the bread, it becomes a part. It's in us. Mm-hmm. So it's just a reminder that he's present with us. And then, of course, we look forward to the future. We're reminded like, hey, no matter how difficult, you know, my struggle is right now, there's hope. I, it, this isn't forever. Forever right. is forever. And that's what we have to look forward to. And so I think there's times where in my life, it's just like, man, this is just a hard, hard, hard season. But um, also there's times where it's a great season. But you know, I just both, both the future works both ways. Yeah. I love that. There's another question. Do you, do you have anything on that, Mike, or do you want to go into the next yeah, let's question? Go to that next question? So the next question came specifically from scripture and I think it, you alluded to it, Nate, and I said, we'd kind of get to that, but yep. it was, let me get the right, uh, in John six fifty two. So in John six, um, and here's what I, well, let me read it. The question, then I'll jump in with my two cents. John 6.52 and following was a tough pill to swallow. Why did Jesus phrase it that way? Can you dig into that passage uh, some more? I think it's r- relevant. Um, it says, I think it's it's relevant to to communion in a way, it, which it absolutely is. You know, so John uh, 6.52 says this. I'm scrolling. Uh Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Okay, so whatever I would encourage you, whenever you come across a verse that that stumps you, puzzles you, read the entirety of the chapter, maybe read the chapter before and the chapter after, and get a context of 
who Jesus is talking to, what he's doing at this season. And, and what I read in advance was there's a big engagement here of, of the heading from verse 25 on is Jesus, the bread of life. And, and Jesus goes on to say, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I perform, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Uh, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which is the son of man. Uh, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. What must we do? What are the works required, uh, they asked. And Jesus said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so it goes on in this context where Jesus explains that, um, you know, without reading all of it to you, why he is the bread of life, why he is what our hope resides in. Um, And there's some comparison to the manna in the desert that he provided. Uh, and then there's also um, some very, what I would call metaphorical language of eat my flesh and drink of my blood, right? That that I think is the question they're asking. What are they talking about? And let's, let's gently dive into why some of those differences uh, on, on how we take communion and what we believe those things actually are, those elements are. Yeah. I mean, I think like you just said, context is super important and, and not just in the chapter or that given event, uh, even the context of you know, who is the author and what is their style like? I mean, all those give us some clues, I think, on how to interpret this. So uh, one, when you go back a little further, still in John chapter six, you have the feeding of the 5,000. You kind of reference that like, hey, you guys are coming to me for you know, for crumbs, and I'm trying to give you something so much greater. And I think that's what he's alluding to in a very blunt way, not of literally saying, and it could be wrong, but I don't think he's literally saying, this is my flesh, and you have to eat my flesh. Like, we don't see that in the early church that I can find at least. Uh, But he's saying, like, my body, it's literally my body that is given for you. Like, I am the bread of life. And we look throughout John to kind of widen the context. He is so, like, uh, I don't know the right word, metaphorical. Good imagery. Yeah, a lot of good imagery. Like, there's a reason we call Matthew, Mark, and Luke the synoptics. Like, they're so similar. They're not full of that same imagery. And John has so much unique stuff. And, you know, Jesus saying, I'm the light, or I'm the bread, or I'm I'm this living water. And it, he's using all these images that would have had a it, lot So what of you're meaning. alluding to is John is known for these I am statements oh, yeah. that Jesus makes that are very image-driven. Yeah. You know, I am light. I I'm the bread of life. Here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and again, I could be wrong, but I think that's what he's doing here in, in, in a way of showing Jesus saying, like, don't don't come for the food. Don't come for the miracles. Don't come for the anything but me. I mean, come, you're here for me. Yeah, I'm the very thing that's going to sustain you. And that's such a jumping off point. Like, I think the initial imagery of Jesus is in partnership. I need you at this season of my life. And he's saying, I'm the whole, I'm the full boat. Like, I'm everything yeah. you need. It, as you were saying that, Mike, here's what popped into my mind. Nobody um, second guesses the image language that we use when we say somebody lights up a room, right? Like, oh, when they're here, they just light up a room. Well, what do they mean? Do they actually illuminate a room? You know, so when Jesus says, like, eat of my body, like, consume me, I think it's the same sentiment, right? Maybe I'm even a deeper capacity than, like, somebody who lights up the room. Like, there's something deeper of... Yeah, I want more of him every day. He is the centerpiece fixture number one 
I want to consume the things he teaches. I want to live the way he called me to, not out of some, I want to, I hope he's impressed, but because I really think he's better at this than me. Yeah. I, I just want to go back to, again, <laughs> you know, Rochelle's message. She, she shared an heirloom that was very important in her mom's family and how it was, it was a dish of, it was a corn dish. And she, you know, it indicated it's just a corn dish. It doesn't look very attractive or whatever, but when her mom started telling her about why that was important and memories of her and her mom, her mom's mom, grandmother actually, and all the different things, um, it's the meaning behind it, which is the whole point of our series, right? Is the meaning behind it is what's, what's the really hard thing to take away. And just looking at the John six passage, if you go back up to verse 48, so just a few verses ahead of verse 52, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. So it was like, hey, I sustained these people every day for 40 years, mm-hmm. just, just enough. There was just enough bread to make it through. And wasn't it interesting that on the sixth day they were supposed to gather double the amount of bread? So that so they, they could would, rest on the so seventh. So they could rest on the seventh. God was trying to teach them Sabbath, and, and it was all about relying on him. It was, we can't oh, fix this good on our language. Own. We have to rely on him. And and he did that. In fact, if if they took more bread than they were supposed to, the bread would rot, yeah. so they couldn't eat it. It was like, I want to teach you to rely upon me. So he was like... So this comes back. We talked prayer a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we talked prayer week two, give us this day our daily bread, is a reference like to the manna, and it's a reference to what I need to sustain. Like, provide for me today, and like, I'll trust yeah. you with tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I just think all that imagery, when you start to stack up imagery of what Jesus teaches, you get a complete picture. Yeah, you do. And it's it's so great. So verse 49, your forefathers ate man in the desert, yet they died. So they didn't, it wasn't lasting. It wasn't, it wasn't eternal. Verse uh, 49, uh, well, that was 49, I apologize. Verse 50, but here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which man may eat and not die. So he wasn't talking, there's nothing special about the bread. Yeah. He was talking about, the the sustaining forgiveness of sin yep. that we we receive at this moment of communion, which is just incredible to really think about that. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Like I'm the one that actually was sent from God, just like the bread was sent to sustain you. I've been sent by God from heaven to be that sacrifice for your sin. And as a result, now you've got forgiveness and you can receive that. And that's, you know, communion. That's, that's what it is. And then he ends that verse 51 by saying, this bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world, uh-huh. which I become that sacrificed lamb yeah. that we talked about in this imagery where we had the Passover lamb mm-hmm. and that blood over the doorpost. He becomes that blood over our, over our doorpost. Yep. You know, that's of our sp- heart, of yeah. our heart. So 52 is the response of, of, the people of Jewish faith at that time and that Jewish culture taking it out of context. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? You know, and Jesus says, like, I tell you, unless you eat of the flesh, the son of man and drink his blood, you'll have no life in me. I think that's where we get that. Yeah. You know, Jesus is saying, just consume me, like make me the pinnacle. Like I am the, uh, you know, John 10, I'm the gate. I'm the gatekeeper. I'm the way to the father, you know, and, I just love that language, and I hope that answers the question a little bit. Yeah, I want to add just two more things, if I could. Sure. Like, number one, the the 
the word for this in some circles, religious circles, is transubstantiation. Aren't you glad you heard that word today? Mm-hmm. And so that means that literally whenever we receive the, the bread and you receive the wine or the drink, it actually literally becomes the body and blood of Jesus. And that's a very literal translation. That's mm-hmm. a, you know because he said, this is my body, this is my blood. So some would believe that. They would just say, we, we think that there's something supernatural that happens when we take communion. Um, maybe. My sense is, looking at the scripture, it was more of a symbol to remind us. You know, so we, yeah. we, we look at do it. do this in it, remembrance of me. It's more what's happening yep. in my heart, you know, right now, what's happening in my soul. And this is a reminder. So I need reminders. I have alarms on my phone. I, I put set it in so I remember to do certain things. We make sure every week we have a reminder of communion, which is the pinnacle of our faith, what Christ has done for us. And we do that anytime we gather. One, the second thing I wanted to mention is how frequent do you, are you supposed to take communion? Well, the Bible teaches, and I'll find that scripture here in a minute, is um, we're supposed to you know, receive communion anytime we gather. Yep. So technically, when you have a small group of like two or three people, we could we could be moment, taking communion. Yeah, we could receive communion. We typically don't do that. We're not trying to go against the scripture on that. We just feel like it's more in a community base of our church experience. But we certainly could. And that's to uh, caution a little bit against that doing it in the wrong heart. Correct. You know that we don't want to. We we frequently do it. You know, once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, just we, anytime you gather. So. Um, it's just an interesting, interesting thing, but I think it's the, we're longing for the real thing. Yeah. When I'm taking communion, I'm reminded of what he's done for me, but I'm longing for that meal with Christ in heaven where we're going to sit across the table from each other. We're going to, you know, I don't know how that's going to work with all those people, but we're going to be together and, uh, really enjoy that. So uh, on a light note, and then I want to come to you, Mike, on some of your thoughts that you had on this. Yeah. My first, uh, what would it have been? A month before Lauren and I got married, she was the maid of honor in, in her best friend's wedding. And it was a Catholic mass. And I mean, no offense by this, but I it was my first mass I had ever attended. I was 22 years old. And I sat, um, you know, in the pew. And my wife or my fiance at the time, Lauren was the one who said, Hey, just so you know, we can't take communion here. And it w- I didn't know that going in. So I would have gone through all the motions and been deeply offensive there. And so I sat there and I sat in the mass for a couple of things. And I remember, you know, a husband of one of Lauren's other friends that was in the audience leaned up behind me and said, I thought you went to college for this. Like, mm-hmm. it, like his confusion was like, if you can't take communion, what are we doing? Like he had no understanding of that, you know, the difference in tradition. And so like where I was trying to be respectful of their tradition, you know, as we understand communion, we take it every week here. And and it's to anyone who has a, you know, it's uh, examine yourself. If you have a, If you're a believer in Jesus, you have a relationship with God, come take communion with us. Do this in remembrance of what he's done for you. You know, is that safe to say? Yeah, it's just yeah. a simple meal. It's just a simple meal that he had with his friends who believed in him. And so if you have a belief and, and you're committed to the Lord, you know, we're invited to be a, a part of that. And it's a great thing. It's a great yeah. privilege. It's a great gift that he's given to. I like to say it's the most expensive meal um, oh. you'll ever have provided for you. 
because he he gave his life. You know, it's it's a lot of fun to pick up a tab sometimes when you're out to dinner or different things and be like, hey, we're just we're enjoying this. And when the bill comes, like I've got it. And what Jesus does every oh. week is he's like, I'm the I've provider. Got, I got it. I've I've covered this for you, and it it costs it's it costs more than what money could ever buy. Yeah, language I I stole. I, it wasn't original. Was like he bankrupt heaven for you. Yep. You know, he just just emptied the bank account on you, like mm-hmm. s- sending his, you know, God incarnate laying his life down. Yeah, and I'm I'm just so, I I mean I just want to go back to like I think emphasis is Christ. That's Absolutely, the emphasis. It's not the, you know, is our bread, um, you know, does it taste good or not? It doesn't, right? It's just kind of one of those things. <laughs> Should it be wine? Should it be grape juice? I don't know. I mean, probably literally, I guess, wine. That's what Jesus used, but we have children. So I think it's Christ. It's We're, we're receiving Christ. We're remembering what he's done for us and this community that we can have with him. And as we're sitting here talking, I just I just am thinking, we need to reserve more time in our services for communion. Like, it's, it feels quick to me. So, yeah. I I can do something. Okay, like, hey, we've about got that. three to five minutes remaining. Yeah, we I, I can do something about that. We can talk <laughs> about that, yeah. and we can we can reserve more time for people. That would be my heart is for people to receive Christ. We, you know, just receive that communion with Him, and and really think about that and process that, and have it be a encouragement and also a a challenge at the same time every week. Yeah, uh, I had two thoughts I want to share. So one, kind of going back to John six. Um, as you were, I never put this together until you were just reading this the, um, a minute ago, and then I had to look it up to double check myself. But their response of like, how can this be? Like they hear this outrageous, like the flesh is your body. What what in the world? And it, it's like that happened three chapters before that too with Nicodemus. He's like, hey, you got to be born again. How can this be? It's literally the same conversation oh, yeah. wrapped up over again. And Jesus is trying to explain like, don't get lost in the imagery. Like it's me. It's me the whole time. I just I just think that was really neat. Um, and and to go off of both your guys' points of like this is about Christ and that's that's what's central. Uh, made me think of uh, something C.S. Lewis wrote that I wanted to share. I, I brought that in because he. You did the most homework for this for somebody who wasn't preaching. <laughs> well, it just happened. Like I I just happened to be reading this. Uh, I've I've been trying to do more reading this new year. So I just happened to be reading this like literally this past week. Otherwise, it was just God set it up. I think. But he's writing this book called A Grief Observed. And if you're not familiar with that, C.S. Lewis got married at 58, I believe. And he was married for four years, and his wife died of cancer. And it was just heartbreaking. And this book is written right after that happened. So he's, like, really freshly wrestling with his faith and what is God doing? And it's it's kind of raw. Um, and he, he's kind of worried of losing his memory of his wife because, like, she's really important to him. And then he kind of concludes, this is near the end of the book, as he's looking at pictures that are bad and like, oh, I can't have a bad picture of her. Like that wouldn't be honorable to her memory. He says, really, whether on paper or in the mind, those images are not important for themselves. They're links. And then he, here's where he brings up communion. Take a parallel example from an infinitely higher spa- uh, sphere. Tomorrow morning, a priest will give me a little round, thin, cold, tasteless wafer. Is it a disadvantage? Is it not in some ways an advantage that I can't pretend the least resemblance to that which it unites me? I need Christ, not something that resembles him. I think he goes Ooh. on to talk about his wife, but it's it's such a 
I love the the picture. Like at the end of the day, you could have all the pictures of your you know, deceased spouse or whatever, but what you really long for is them to be back. And you know, hopefully, you know, they have that faith. We reunite, reunite in heaven with Christ. That's great. Uh, we can have all these great images in Scripture, but at the end of the day, we're we're not longing for the images. We're longing for Christ. That's what communion is. I love that. I think that is just beautiful. So I want to jump back on one thing really quick on on this imagery of this. I had somebody ask a question probably about eight nine months ago, like at breakfast, on this like as they were reading the gospel for the first time, this metaphorical language. That's what they're picking up on, and they asked if it extended to the resurrection. And I said, absolutely not. That is an absolute thing that a man laid his life down who was fully God and fully man. He died on our behalf, and then he defeated death, and he rose again, and they they saw his resurrected body, and Thomas touched his side and, and touched his hands. And, you know, Thomas gets a bad rap for being doubting Thomas, you know, um, and he, he even, like, makes a shout-out to the future of, like, blessed are you who believe without seeing, which is us in this camp, you know. And I just think, you know, just to round that out, like, there's all of this imagery that points to the greatest physical event that ever happened in the history of the world. And it, it changed everything. It changed my eternity, you yeah. know. And that's, yeah. that's why we exist. That's why, you know, we will keep doing this job forever, you know, on this. Yeah, it's great. I love what you just said there. Like Jesus died. He took our sins with him. They were buried. They were gone. He was raised again by God. And in the same way that God raised Jesus from the dead, he'll raise us as well. Yes. So we have this, like, you know, and same thing. First Corinthians, I believe it's 15, says Jesus was like the first fruit. He was the, I can do this, and, and I'm going to do this for you as well. And so not only do we receive the forgiveness of sin, but we know we have eternal life, and we know that God will raise us from the dead because he's already done it. Yeah. Through, through Christ, and he'll do it again in us. And so it just puts it all together. I'm so glad you mentioned that at the end here. Yeah, it's it's all pointing to one event. If you were to invite somebody back, I mean, we have three physical locations. We'd love for you to join us. Um, we also take communion in our online community, which is a little bit tricky and different for us. You know, it puts the pressure on you to prepare for that in advance with some bread and some juice and to maybe think, or a cracker and some juice or something along those lines lines, but I, I think that there's even something to the, the the instituting it in your own home. If you're joining us online, we want to take communion as a body of believers, remembering what Christ did. And so you could join us at any of our three locations. Is, you guys got any closing thoughts before we, we wrap? I'll share one. Uh, one of my favorite descriptions of communion is in a book called Living the Resurrection by Eugene Peterson. And he talks about, uh, you know, you mentioned like take the bread or, or the juice if you're doing this online. He's like, the reason, one of the reasons we do that and the, the uh, meaning behind it is like, in that bread, something died for you. Like, that, whether it's that, that wheat or plant or whatever, or, or in that juice, something died for you. This, like, this grape that was growing and alive and fruitful has died for you to partake in that meal. And in, the, in a much deeper level, like, for you to take this, Christ died for you. And I just, I love that connection. Man, it's, yeah, I, I wish you knew... I wish the listener knew how much of this wasn't prepared. Yeah. But the, and the, so the, here's, a, here's a pitch for why you should gather with other believers. Because you talk about these things, yeah, and, and more stuff keeps coming out. 
Yeah, Mike just had such a beautiful thing. I was going to share a confession. Um, when I was a kid, we were I was a pastor's kid, and we lived right across the street from the church. And we could get into the church. The door was just always open. And from time to time, we'd get in and steal the Welch's grape juice, which was the communion. Yeah. So I'm like confessing that now. Like, I'm sorry that I did that. Yeah. And um, it was really good. It tasted good. It was the good um, grape juice. Yeah. That yeah. like I couldn't, we couldn't just have as much of that as we wanted as a kid. No. And so you just get a little bit, you know, and then you try to put the lid back. You try to get the ones that, that were already opened, you know, so you could just pour out just a little bit. But um, then thinking back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like that was communion. And what were we doing? And I think the Lord's forgiven us for that. Um, and now, you know, obviously I'm a lot more careful. <laughs> I, I remember, and this is a shout out to like Neil and Diane Romines that would yeah. fill communion trays when, we yeah. were, when I was a kid. Um, it was always past. It was probably really new into when I was able to take it that yeah. I then saw how they would fill it. And yeah. they had the fanciest, mm-hmm. you filled the giant thing and it was a one button push yep. and it would kind of, so we had the single cup fillers that yep. you would hit the plunger on top and it would, yeah, just you, each one, you know, it was each cup. First Christian had like a, a way more substantial version of this to fill trays. And it was like behind the scenes, like I, you know, you see how it's made, and it was yeah. a neat thing. But, yeah. like, there was a lot of preparation in it every week. You just brought something to my mind um, in those days, and, and we still do this a little bit, but more so in those days, people would request a communion be brought to their house if they were ill, like if they were sick or if they yeah. were in a hospital. And we had a little, just a little container. It was like a, a little box, and inside of it would have the things. I remember just taking that to people in the hospital, in the nursing home, and just having communion with them. And it was so precious to have those moments. Like people just, you know, that was just a, you know, obviously we'd say a few words from the scripture. We'd share about our faith. And um, when we would gather, as as they could not be with us in person, yeah, we would, we would take communion together. And um, I just make that offer to anybody who's listening right now. Like if you, if you can't make it here and um, you just need somebody to come by, and oh, I love do that. communion with you, just let us know, and we'd be we'd be honored to. We do would that. be honored, mm-hmm. absolutely honored to do that. I, and I would say, if you're un, if you feel uncomfortable in any part of this, and I think this is like when you go from losing your religion to getting to a real relationship, each one of these things is uncomfortable to start. You know, to to vulnerably say, I haven't read my Bible. I'm going to start reading my Bible, and I'm nervous. Like I don't know if I'm going to understand it or be able to commit. I've never spent time in real prayer. You know, I've never gone public with my faith through baptism. I've never um, taken communion and really understood it. You know, all of these things are vulnerable expressions. You do not have a healthy relationship that didn't start with vulnerability. Yes that didn't start with like, I have to do something out of my comfort zone. Yes. That, that it's going to be weird at first. And so like lean into it. Yeah. Lean into it and just understand that like you're part of a group here that is aware. We're not pretending like the first time next week we're talking about worship. Like the first time that you sing corporately with a group of friends and, or learn to start living a lifestyle of worship. Like it's going to be, odd at first, but it's so worth it on the other side of the closeness that you'll encounter to a God who says, like, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you, you know, like, I'm here waiting for you. Like, it's just the heart of, of the good news. Thanks, Nick. We're, we're all in the same boat. Yes. Everybody's the same in the, at the feet of Jesus at communion. Yeah. We all need his help. We all need his forgiveness. 
and he grants it willingly. Oh, I love that. That's the right note to end on. Mike, I'm going to ask you to pray us out. Absolutely. God, we are so grateful uh, for these symbols and these memories that you provide us with that just point to you. So God, help us not to get lost in those things or get lost in silly arguments, even if we're very passionate about them, but to always go back to your word and to go always go back to you and what you've provided for us. Thank you for dying for us on the cross. Thank you for giving us new life and promising that you'll have this meal again with us. We're so looking forward to that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you're looking for a good church home, you can find one here at the Village Christian Church. Uh, you could check us out at live.thevillagechristianchurch.com. You could find us on YouTube, Facebook. You could join us in Manuka, uh, Seneca, Illinois, or Cole City, Illinois at 9 and 1030. Um, we can't wait to have you come and worship with us. So if you need a good church home, come check us out. Thanks for joining us for another great story. Thank you so much for joining us for another great story. Make sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss our latest stories. And if you are in the market for a great church home, check us out at thevillagechristianchurch.com. We've got more great stories ahead, and we can't wait for you to hear them all. So until next time, keep living another great story.